Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. All right, everybody. Well, we're going to get ready to start a brand new teaching series that we have called Relationship Goals. So Lighthouse, do me a favor. Would you stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word? I'm going to take you right into it. I've got a lot to say. Um, Probably more notes than we have time today. But whenever we get to the series on relationships, I get giddy. I have fun. I love this series. And if you've been with us since day one, you know that this has always been um, a a highlight series here at Lighthouse Church. And it's also the opportunity that I get to have a good conversation with all of the men in the house. So all the men at Lighthouse, let me get an amen. Amen. Oh, a little deeper. Yeah, thank you. So we're, we're diving in today, and I'm excited for the next four weeks. I'm going to be preaching three. Pastor Sam's going to jump here, and he's going to preach one of them. In a minute, I'm going to give you my, my sermon title and then all the titles for the rest of the month because you got to come. You want to listen to this, and uh, we're going to be building every single week, and, and we've really got a word for you all today. So go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 10, verses 9 through 12. 2 Samuel chapter 10 verses 9 through 12. And it reads as follows. When Joab saw that the front of the battle was against him before and behind, meaning he was surrounded, he chose of all the choice men of Israel and he put them in array against the Syrians. Let me break this down. Joab said, get me the Navy SEALs. I want the the strongest and the most elite fighting force with me. And then the rest of the people he delivered into the hand of Abishai, his brother, that he might put them in array against the children of Ammon. So they had two enemies that they were fighting, the Syrians and Ammon. And Joab said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, then I will come and help thee. And and listen to this line right now. Joab delivers a bar. I want you to pay attention to what he says. He says, be of good courage and let us play the men for our people and for the cities of our God. And the Lord do that which seemeth him good. The reason I chose the King James Version is that verse just sounds beautiful better in old English. It just sounds better. But for the next few moments, I'm going to talk to you on this thought. Masculinity is not toxic. Masculinity is not toxic. Now, now we got, we got three more bangers in this series. Okay. So come back next week because next week we also have an incredible sermon that we're going to talk about. It's called the future is male and female. The future is male and female. And then Pastor Sam's going to get up here, and he's preaching a message called Drama, Trauma, Drama, Daddy, Mama, okay? Trauma, Trauma, Daddy, Mama. So he's going to come up here, and he's going to preach that message, and we're going to end it with um, our anchor message. It's called Relationship Goals, and so that'll be the last in this series. But I'm excited for the month of February. I hope you guys are too. Can I pray for you all, and then we're going to dive in. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, God. 
because your word is anointed, your word is blessed, and through your word, we believe you're going to speak to us today. And God, as I speak to all the men in this room, I know you've got a word for everybody. So I pray, God, that as I speak to the large audience, I pray that you speak to the audience of one. Would you speak to each person uniquely, individually, and with the anointing that is needed in their life right now? We thank you in advance for what you're getting ready to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands and you may be seated. Let's talk about this. Masculinity is not toxic. You know, last week I was up here talking about the music that I loved from my childhood. But, but truthfully, we didn't just make good music. We made good movies too. Like some of the movies in the 90s, they don't make them like that anymore. Let, let, me, let, me, let me throw one out there. Do you guys remember Braveheart? What a movie, right? William Wallace leads men into a battle against England. What an inspiring movie. Here, here's an old one. If, if you didn't watch this movie, you got to go watch this one. How many watched the movie Glory? Yeah. You guys remember that one? With young Denzel Washington, like young Denzel. That, that's that's must-watch movie right there, okay? That's your homework. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Watch The Chosen and watch Glory, okay? That's what you, you need to do, all right? Uh, how about this? Do you guys remember The Last of the Mohicans? Oh, that was a good movie. I like that one. All right, last one, last one, because we got to talk about the Bible, okay? Do you guys remember Gladiator? Oh, my God. I watched Gladiator so many times. Right, Mom and Dad? They had to put it with me and my brothers constantly watching Gladiator over and over and over again. And I started thinking about this for a second. I thought, why were the movies so good back then? Why, why were these movies just a little different? And, and I have a hypothesis, Lighthouse. I think the reason is is because all of these movies were just about dudes. And what I mean by that is they did not have vibranium. They did not have an Iron Man suit. They didn't turn into spiders. They, they, they weren't superheroes like we see today. And don't get me wrong. I love a good Marvel movie, but all these men are souped up. You know what I mean? They've got all these like suits and they're, they've got the heart-shaped herbs and they're panthers and spiders and all of that. that. That's the movies today. But in our day, they were just men. You know what I mean? No, no super serum, no Iron Man suit, no spider power just husbands, men's fathers, and in some cases they were sons and they were strong and they were masculine and that's what made our movies great, right? No superpowers, just dudes. Well, here in the Bible, we come to a passage of scripture that is very much like that and it's in the Bible and I love to highlight this but there is two brothers one by the name of Joab and the other brother by the name of Abishai and these dudes were tough. These guys were fighters. I mean, before there was Nick and Nate Diaz, there was Joab and Abishai. (laughs) MMA people get the reference in the room. Like, like, these guys were warriors. They they were a man's man. They, They were alphas. And here in this passage of scripture, what I love about it is they are facing an enemy that is bigger than them. They, they are surrounded. And I love how Joab is like, get me the best of the best. Get me the Navy SEALs. Abishai, you take the National Guard, but I want the Navy SEALs, okay? Like, like bring me the best of the best. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to fight Amon, and, and um, we're going to fight the Syrians. You're going to go fight Amon, and we're going to make this, and we're going to do this. And then comes this line, okay? This is the line. This is the bar. I'm going to read it one more time because it is that good. He says, be of good courage. And let us play the man for our people. Woo! Come on, somebody. I love that line. He's like, be of good courage, and we're going to go be men. And he goes on to say, and, and, and we're going to play the man for our people and for the cities of God. And I like this. And he says, and the Lord do that 
which seemeth him good. He's basically saying, and if we die, we die. But you know what? We're going down dying for God, and we're going to go down dying for our families. If we go down, we're going to go down fighting. I love that. And, and what I see in that is what I see all throughout the Bible. And in the Bible, we see that it is calling men into strong biblical masculinity. The Bible calls men into masculinity. Now, now when we talk about that, we have to address the latest cultural thing that, that, that is out there, that masculinity is toxic. They, they say it's toxic masculinity. And, and, and I want to push back against that because I believe that the Bible calls men into masculinity. I believe that the Bible calls men back into this. And part of the reason I know this is pre-pandemic, pre-pandemic, pre I preached a message called The Truth About Men, and Pastor Phil remembers this one, but this was like the most watched sermon that I had ever preached in Lighthouse history just before the pandemic. Like, like, people were just watching this message. Why? Because we, I think there are a lot of young men or there are a lot of men just trying to figure out how do I be that biblical masculine men that I believe the scriptures are calling me to grow into, that I believe the scriptures are leading me into. Now, let me, let me pose a problem to you all and then we're going to unpack the solution, okay? Let's talk about the biggest problem that I think um, we don't like to talk about, but, it, but it's a big problem that is facing our nation and it is fatherlessness fatherlessness okay he, he, here's the reason why this is such a problem and i'm going to read to you some statistics from fatherhood.org okay um when there is a home without a father they are four times more likely to live in poverty when there's a home without a father they are more likely to suffer emotional and behavioral problems there are higher levels of aggressive behavior than children born into a traditional married home Fatherless homes have two times the risk of infant mortality. Fatherless homes, um, men are more likely to go into prison. Because here's the alarming statistic about men in prison. Only one in five prison inmates grew up with a father. So 80% of the men in prison grew up without a father. That is alarming. And, and, and that is the common denominator for the men. Here's the last one. In, in, in a home where there is no father. The, uh, the, the children are twice as likely to be involved in early sexual activity. Twice as likely to start having sex before marriage. That, that, that's why we need more fathers in the home. And that's why we're talking about biblical masculinity today. Because there's a problem. And, and, and fatherlessness is a problem. And, and, and the solution is this. A present death. Everybody say present. Not just a dad in the living room, okay? But I'm talking about a present dad. I'm talking about an emotionally present dad. Not, not, not just a guy that, that is out there uh, um, making money and doing what he has to do to support his family, but is emotionally detached from his children. That's not the solution. The solution is a present father. Let me read to you this quote by John Tyson. When a father is present, emotionally healthy, the father has to be emotionally healthy. Okay, can't have a broken father. When the father's emotionally healthy and when he is involved in his child's life, the child has a tremendous advantage in the world to navigate its complexities and challenges with joy and confidence. How many know that this is a complex world that we are living in? And in the country of California, it's even more complex. I didn't misspeak. It feels like that sometimes, right? It's like, wait, y'all get to do that over there? Anyway, uh, and, and, and so... 
So fatherlessness is something that, that not only do we see that it's got detrimental um, statistics results and, and, and things that can happen to our children, but what we need in the home is a present father. We, we, we need a present father. We need a, a father who has, I love this part, that he is emotionally well. Listen to me, men. You got to take care of yourself. If you're going to be the dad that you need to be to your kids, you have got to take care of yourself. I don't know why this kind of clicked with me some years ago, because at my heaviest, I was 210 pounds, and my wife was pregnant with our son, Jaden, and when I found out that we were going to have a boy, something flipped, and I knew that I had to get my health under control. I I can't, I, I don't know what it was, but I just knew I needed to be good for my son. I just knew that, that as the father of the house, as, as the man of the house, I needed to be good for my son. And so we need to be present, we need to be healthy, and, and, and we need to be involved in our child's life. Because here's what I know. I believe that fatherlessness is an attack of an enemy. I believe that fatherlessness is an attack of the enemy. And today we're dealing with, it, 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 and now the attack changes with generations. I believe that the attack on uh, biblical masculinity today is what culture is calling toxic masculinity. But if you go back before that, it was it was a different trick of the enemy, dressed up a little different, but it was always the same point of getting men to be absent in the home. So it, it used to be dressed up as a lot of work, used to be anyway. It's like men were so busy with work that they felt like it was their wife's job to raise the kid and their job to bring home the money. That doesn't work. We know that doesn't work. We got a lot of detached boys as a result of that. So that doesn't work. But what we've seen is over the generations, it's the same trick of the enemy. He dresses it up differently, but he's always trying to get the father out of the home. He, he may live there, but he's not present there. Or maybe he is completely gone. So it's this attack against fatherhood. It's this attack against men. Now, there is such thing as broken masculinity. Can you guys say broken? Okay, because I don't want to sit here and say, well, you know, there's no such thing as toxic masculinity. I, just, I push back against the word because it's trying to group all masculinity as being toxic, which is further from the truth, and we'll get into that in just a minute. But let's talk about broken masculinity. Broken masculinity has created a lot of problems. We, we do have a lot of men that were not taught how to be a man. And, and so by the time they become a man and because they had to figure it out for themselves, there's a lot of brokenness and it ends up breaking a lot of people. Broken men break people. Broken men break homes. Broken men break marriages. Broken men break uh, parenting. Broken men break communities. The, the common denominator is a broken man. So, so what are the things that broken men have done? Well, broken men bring abuse, pain, and an unhealthy hierarchy into the home. That, that's why next week I'm talking about the future as male and female, because we're going to talk about correct, true, biblical hierarchies that need to exist at home. And, and, and so a, a, a broken man brings abuse, he brings pain, and he brings unhealthy hierarchies into the home. A broken man birthed the Me Too movement. You guys remember the Me Too movement? And, and, and all these, these women were starting to speak up about how they had been abused. They were abused at the hands of broken men. Broken men. Another one here. Broken men perpetuate a rape culture on college campuses, and they have perpetuated the pornification of our lives. I mean, the stuff that we see today now that, that is just like did not, you would not see that on television like 30 years ago. You just, you just, it, you would not see that anymore. But broken men have perpetuated this. 
And, and, and what we see in the Bible, now let me contract that with biblical masculinity and the reason we're talking about this, okay? Biblical masculinity, number one, it smashes hierarchies. It smashes hierarchies. Now listen to me. The reason we got to get this corrected is because too many people in this generation listen to people who know nothing about the Bible talk about the Bible. Like that's the worst thing you can do. Someone's like, well, the Bible says, I'm sorry, wh- where did you get your degree? Like where did you study the Bible from? Because I did not see you at the Lighthouse Leadership College, okay? I'm kidding. But, but it's like just because you got the weather app on your phone, it don't make you a weatherman. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, and just because you go to WebMD, it don't make you a doctor. And there's a lot of people say, well, the Bible, well, the Bible. No, people who have misinterpreted the Bible because they have not been trained in theology have spoken some error into the Bible. Paul never taught unhealthy hierarchies. Paul said there's neither male nor female. We're all equal in God's eyes. Paul said that. Let's give it up to the apostle Paul. So for people that say the Bible is oppressive, no, you don't know how to read the Bible. And so we'll teach you how to do that. We're going to go into what the Bible actually talks about. The Bible teaches us that a a biblical masculine man stands up for those in the margins, that they stand up for the people that need to be stood up for. And lastly, it it leads men into lives where they are stopping abuse from happening. Listen, uh, biblical masculinity is, is not watching abuse happen to other people. Biblical masculinity stands up when other people just want to sit back. Biblical masculinity stands up for people that are on the fringes. That's what the Bible leads men to do. That's why I love Joab so much. Joab is like, we're going to fight this enemy. Whether we die or not, we're going to do it. We're going to protect our families. They were going to die protecting their families and protecting their God. And we need more men to get this type of vigor back again. We need more men that are going to step into biblical masculinity we need more men that are not going to shy down we're not going to back down but we're going to step in to everything that God has for us so so there's two things that need to happen number one we need more fathers and number two we need more mentors okay let me talk about fathers first we need more men to step into becoming present fathers we, we need more men to grow as a father. I'm going to give you guys a book recommendation. I've said this before, but this book right here by Pastor John Tyson, every single dad in this room, you need to read this book. The book is called The Intentional Father because listen to me, you don't want to be an unintentional father. You don't want to be an unintentional father. You want to be an intentional father. And for those of you that are like, Pastor Josh, I don't like reading. Well, I don't like eating vegetables, but I do anyway. It's good for me, okay? Like, grow up, all right? Just read a book. I'm just, I just get tired of it. So it's like, well, I just don't like reading. I don't like salad. But I'm 42, so I eat salad, okay? Because I'm not a kid anymore. I mean, wasn't it Paul that said, you know, when, when I was a child, I did childish things. That when I became a man, I put away childish things. Put away the childish excuses. It's your responsibility, dad, to grow yourself and to become a better dad. It's your responsibility, father, to be a better husband. It's your responsibility, father, to be a better parent to your children. It's your responsibility. And so, so help yourself. Get this book. And listen, if you genuinely cannot afford this book, it's a $10 book, but if you cannot get this book, come see me after church. I will buy you this book, and it will be delivered on your doorstep tomorrow thanks to Amazon Prime. <laughs> and I did have one young man at the end of service say, Pastor, I need that book, so I'm going to buy you that book, and it will be on his doorstep tomorrow. But every father in here needs to read this book. Because we need men stepping into the role of a father. What is a father? A father is someone that is going to love and serve his wife. A father is someone who gives himself to his wife as Christ, as Christ gave himself to the church. That's in the Bible. It is, it, is, it is a father that doesn't just have kids, but he disciples and he trains their kids. 
I got to be careful. I'm not allowed to talk too much about my family, but I'll just say this one thing. My son is about to turn 13 years old, and I am going to intentionally lead him on a journey from boyhood to 18, manhood. Because listen to me, dads, the worst thing you can do is your son steps off your doorstep when he turns 18, and you have regret because you haven't taught him how to change a tire. Like, like you have regret because you haven't taught him how to change his windshield wipers. And I'm talking about little things. We can go deeper. You have regrets because you've not taught him how to make a budget. You've not taught him how to live debt-free. This is a lot of things you never taught him. Well, well, what if from the age that they turn 13, you reverse engineer everything you want your son or your daughter to know? Listen, moms, I'm talking to you too. What if you start reverse engineering everything you want for your son and daughter to know, and then you put an intentional plan in place that over the next five years, from the age of 13 to 18 years old, you teach them that. So when they leave, you know, I've taught you everything. I've put everything in you. And that's what this book calls us into. And that's what this book means to be an intentional father. And this is why I need you to read this book and eat your veggies and your salad. (laughs) A father will initiate their children from boyhood to manhood. A father will come along his wife as she initiates their daughter into womanhood. Now, now, now listen, I, I, I have three boys. God knew that I'd probably lose my mind if I had a girl. So um, I can't say this from personal experience, but let me just say this. Fathers here, you should so date your daughters and set the bar so high that any other joker that comes after you has to measure up to what you deposited into that relationship. That's just what I believe. That's just what I believe. I mean, I was talking to Pastor Phil. I was like, I don't know how you're going to do it. I mean, one of these days, someone's going to come knock at the door and want to take Natalie out on a date. Now, the first thing is the guy to put up with him opening the door. Could you imagine? <laughs> they knock, Phil opens the door. He's like, what? <laughs> you need to, like, get a ring camera installed and then, like, do that, you know, just, just and then show the world. You know, that'd be funny. But, but like, <laughs> like, like, men, date your daughters. Set a very high bar. You need to. And, and, and listen to me. Your daughters are watching the way you treat your wife. And, and if you want them to find a man that is going to treat them like a queen, start treating your wife like a queen because you're going to set a bar and that's going to become the expectation. So, so men, we got work to do, amen? Fathers, husbands, we, we got work to do. Now everybody say mentors. Now let me talk on mentors, okay? Me- mentors is absolutely critical because fathers have gaps. Fathers have gaps. It, take, it takes a grown man... <laughs> You know, wearing his big boy pants to say that, all right? I have gaps. I have gaps. And so I have picked some mentors for my son, Jaden. They're going to come alongside his life. Why? Because I have gaps. There are some things that your father, listen to me, men. There are some things that your father didn't teach you. Don't be a victim and go home and cry about it. My father never taught me. Get a mentor. Like if your dad wasn't good with money, go find a mentor who is great with money and say, teach me everything you know about money. So l- listen, I-, I'm, I am 42 years old and still actively seeking out mentors in my life because I have a great dad. I have an incredible dad. I've shared my story about how awesome my dad is, but even my dad has gaps. Every father has gaps, and you need mentors filling the gaps of your fathers. And so you've got to go out and find some mentors in your life. Find mentors that specialize in the areas where your father just might have got it wrong. So, so what if your dad wasn't into his word? Find you a mentor that's going to teach you how to get into your word. Again, don't go home and cry. I never had this. You're a grown man. Go find yourself a mentor. (laughs) Stop being a victim, okay? You're not a victim. 
Go find a mentor. Go, go find someone that's going to fill those gaps. Cause, cause, because there are fatherless homes. And, and moms, one of the best things you can do for your son is to find him some mentors, especially if it's like I'm talking to someone like, Pastor, this is awesome, but like baby daddy, not great. So what do I do? Get him some mentors. Find some strong men to come alongside your son. Find some strong men to come alongside your girls. Find a strong man that's going to come be a mentor into their life and to speak into their life because we need fathers and we need mentors. And what do they do? They help intentionally transition boys from boyhood to manhood. They, they, help, they, help, they help women go from, from, girl, from girlhood, adolescence, into becoming a woman. And that requires fathers, that requires mothers, and that requires mentors. Because here's the deal. Write this down. Boys without a plan to become a man will carry adolescence into adulthood. Boys without a plan to become a man will carry adolescence into adulthood. And this is the same with girls. Girls without a plan to become a woman will carry adolescence into adulthood. And, and, and what happens is young men and young women, when, when their father and their mother is not intentionally helping them, initiating them into adulthood, they do something called self-initiation. And as they self-initiate, they start just trying to figure it out, but they're probably going to do it the wrong way. That's probably why they start having sex before they should. They're, they're just trying, uh, well, maybe I should start having sex. Maybe that'll make me a man. Maybe that'll make me a woman. Or they join a gang because they're looking for acceptance and affirmation that they never got at home. Uh, th- this is what happens when people start to self-initiate. When they start to self-initiate, they might misuse people to get ahead in life because they're, they're just trying to conquer, they're trying to be a man, trying to be a woman. So, so they misuse, they, they, they burn relationships. They, 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 they can go down a path where maybe they even abandon their faith because they saw their mom, they saw their dad as broken. And so they're thinking, I mean, if serving God produced that, like, why do I want God in my life? I've got problems of my own. And, and, and so this is why it's so important that, 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 that men in this room, we, we, we hear the call to biblical masculinity. We, we hear the call and we rise to the occasion because I believe God is calling us into this. Now, let me give you two quick handles and I'm done. How, there, there are two primary ways in which we rise up into biblical masculinity. You guys ready for it? Y'all ready for it, men? Lean in, okay? Valentine's Day is coming quick. Take notes. Score yourself some points, all right? (laughs) Number one, I believe the call to masculinity begins with submission. We we, we got men that don't want to be accountable to nobody. We, We just got men that won't submit to nobody. Listen to me, ladies. If your boyfriend will not submit to God, they're not submitting to you. If they will not submit to the creator of heavens and earth, what makes you think they're going to submit to you in the long haul? I know when they're dating you, it's all roses and poems and gifts and emojis and all that stuff. But like I'm talking about, you know, after they, they, they feel like they have captured your heart. If they can't submit to God, they won't submit to you. You got to find you a man that is submitted to God. You got to find a man that's submitted to his parents. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 my parents are right here. I, I still talk to them, and I'm still submitted to them. 42 years old, grown man, but I'm still submitted to my parents, you know? I've got pastors in my life that I'm still submitted to. I'm still submitted to Pastor Sam. I, I, I'm still very much submitted to him. I have another pastor in my life, Pastor Gary. I am submitted to him. I have given him authority to speak into my life. And I said this earlier. My wife wrote it down. She's about to do it again. But um, the other day, Pastor Gary called me. This was last year. He said, hey, Josh. I was praying and thinking about you and Joanna. I said, that's nice, Pastor Gary. Thank you so much for that. He goes, no, 
I'm really sensing that you two are getting tired. You two need to go on a vacation. You two, you two need to go on a vacation. Two weeks later, we were in Palm Springs. Why? Because I'm submitted to him. I'm submitted to somebody. You, biblical manhood, biblical masculinity believe, begins not by a man that is not accountable to anyone, but by a man who's submitted to someone. I love this passage of scripture here. It's in the book of Romans 12.1. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We've got to live submitted lives. We are submitted to God. We are submitted to our wife. We are submitted to our children. I know that sounds weird. Submitted to my children. Are you kidding me? I mean, being a father is one of the most selfless things you could do. These little boogers never say thank you for anything. <laughs> anything. And, and, and yet you show up every single day. Why? Because you're a father. You show up even when they're ungrateful. Why? Because you're a father. You show up even when they're acting up. Why? Because you're a father. And so there is, there is even a submission that happens there. Now, now don't get that twisted. You're still the man of the house, all right? They still got, as long as they're living under your roof, they're living by your rules. But there, there's a submission that happens when you're constantly putting them before yourself. But again, some dads won't ever put their kids in front of them, and that's why the relationship is broken. You know how many times one of my sons will be like, Dad, let's play catch. And I'm like, son, it's dark. But Dad, I got a glow-in-the-dark ball. You do. <laughs> you do. And there we go. He does. <laughs> Did you buy it for him for Christmas? Someone, somebody bought it for him for Christmas. Grandma bought him a glow-in-the-dark baseball for Christmas. So he's like, but Dad, my baseball glows in the dark. I'm like, out we go. You know what I mean? It's dark, and we're throwing the ball around. So, yeah, there's, there's submission there. But, but listen to me. It's like I've, I've heard this said. A, a, a boy will never tell their dad, Dad, I need to talk to you. What he will say is, Dad, will you throw the ball with me? That means I need your time. I need your time. Just, just yesterday, um, two days ago, I took my son Jaden out. Um, I had a meeting with the councilman here in the city of Vista, and it was a great meeting. And my son Jaden's like, can I come with you? I'm like, yeah, why not? Let's go. So I took him with me. I thought he was going to sit outside the room, but the councilman was honestly a really cool guy. So he brought my son in, and he, he, he gave my son a lot of attention. It was really rad. It was a great moment. But, but afterwards, we went to go have some lunch. Well, of course, my middle child found out. So <laughs> yesterday we had baseball clinic, you know. I'm trying to be that present dad. So we're after baseball clinic, he said, Dad. Can, can, can we go get lunch with just like you and me? Like, not my brothers. I said, yeah, son. Come on, let's go to the pizza bar. I'll have a salad. You have pizza. Because I'm a grown man. <laughs> and, 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 but, it, you know, when I said that to him, I said, yeah, son, let's go. He grabs my hand, and he's, like, holding my hand as we're driving in the car. Listen to me. You're, you're, they just want your time, man. They just want you present. And that's, again, that's part of that submission. You, you are absolutely the, the head of your house. But when they want your time, Sometimes you just got to lay yourself down. You, you lay your agenda down. You, you lay down whatever tinkering in the garage you're doing. You, you lay down the video games for crying out loud. Like you lay it down and go spend. That's a whole other conversation for another time. But you go spend some time with your kids. Now here's the second thing, okay? A call to masculinity demands servanthood. A call to masculinity demands servanthood. It's a lot of people that, let me just say this and pivot on this. I've done my best, and I'm not saying I've got it right. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I am far from it. That's why I'm reading books about being a better dad. Clearly, I need help, okay? But, uh, but, but I do my best, and, and I think that it's, it's birthed some things in my, in my kids. And, and so 
um, generosity is, is a value in our home and, and service to the church is a value of our home. And, and sometimes I think our kids have more faith in our finances than we do. Because <laughs> the other day we were talking about someone and I said, yeah, they, they, don't, they don't have a home. They're, they're affected by homelessness. They, where do they sleep? I'm like, there's shelters. And my son speaks up, dad, buy him a house. <laughs> son, we live in San Diego, okay? Not Arkansas. <laughs> And this stuff don't fall off trees, you know? It's like, <laughs> but, but in that moment, his heart was right. And, and I love the fact that his heart was there and that he has seen us enough to think this is something that my dad will do. He'll just buy him a house. I can't. I'd love to one day be in that position. But, but he has seen a life of service in, in, in both myself and my wife. And listen to me, men. Let your children see you serving in some capacity. I mean, obviously there's a church, but if you don't want to serve here, go serve in a soup kitchen, go volunteer, go volunteer at the food bank, do something and bring your kid along. So they see you, they they need to see their dad serving, because if we're going to stand up for the people that are affected with food or homelessness, I mean, that is our way of standing in the gaps. Okay. Um, Right now, it's relatively peaceful. So you probably will not be like Joab and Abishai and go fight an enemy. What you can do is fight homelessness, fight hunger. You can fight injustice. You can stand in the gaps and be in the fringes where people are in need. And let your son see you do that so they know what a man of God looks like, so they know what a man whose priorities in the right place looks like. Let them catch you serving and watch what that does to them. Watch who they become. And they say, it's all I ever saw my dad do. This is what he did. He served the church. He served those less fortunate. He volunteered at the food bank. He volunteered with this. He volunteered with that. Let them see a life of service be in you. Because when we think about Jesus, and this is not in my script, but let me go off script for a moment. When we see the life of Jesus, what was he doing all of the time in front of the 12 disciples? Serving others. Like the last thing Jesus did before he was arrested, was grab a towel and wash the stanky feet of his disciples. I mean, that's the last thing he did. The, the, of all the things he could have done, he could have he cast out a demon. He could have went to the cemetery and raised a dead person. There was a lot of stuff he could have done to demonstrate his power and his authority, but that's not what he did. His final act that he wanted to impress on his disciples was, let me wash the feet of my followers. What does that say about the life that he's calling us into? What, what does that say of the life of service that we feel that he is asking us to do? Last verse, Romans 12, 9 through 13. This was in our one-year Bible reading. Are y'all still reading the Bible together with Lighthouse Church on our one-year Bible reading plan? If not, jump in. You can catch up. If you need to catch up, when we get to the book of Psalms, you can catch up, all right? Because when we get to the book of Psalms, you can get real fast through there, okay? But let me read this to you. I read it earlier this week in our Bible reading. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. I love this. Everything about this. I love this verse. And I like this last part right here. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Practice hospitality. What is hospitality, Pastor Josh? This is hospitality. Hospitality is showing love to people who don't look like you. I'm not much your friends and family. It's easy to just throw a party. Hey, we're having 
Coffee and dessert at my house and invite all your friends. But it gets a little harder to show love to someone who votes different than you. So, okay, Republican, show love to the Democrat. And Democrat, show love to the Republican. And if you're independent like me, you get to just show love to both crazies. You know what I'm saying? Like, we showing love to everybody, you know? But, but, but hospitality is showing love to someone that doesn't agree with you. And Jesus leads us into love them. Not fight with them on Facebook. What's wrong with you? Arguing with a stranger in the comment section. Knock it off. Show love. Hospitality. Love the people who disagree with you. Bless those who curse you. If they slap you in the face, turn the other cheek. Right? Isn't that what Jesus said to do? And I love this passage of scripture because it's telling us, share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. This ought to be the marker of who we are, that we show extravagant love to people who do not look like us, do not vote like us, do not dress like us. When I think about a man in the Bible who got it wrong, and I'm closing with this, when I think about a man who got it wrong, you want to know who got it wrong? Adam, (laughs) the first man. Adam was rebellious and lazy. God said, don't eat from that tree. He ate from it. (laughs) God said, Adam, what happened? He goes, it's Eve's fault, the woman you gave me, she led me to do this. Adam was rebellious and lazy, and unfortunately, there's too many men that take after Adam unsubmitted and they don't serve other people we need men who are responsible and who operate in authority do you want to know what gives you that authority your credibility not how tough you are not your biceps not your six-pack that don't give you your authority not because you crossfit nobody cares okay like like your authority comes from your credibility how credible of a person are you what does your service say about you what does the way you treat your wife say about you what is the way you treat your son's and your daughters say about you. That's where authority comes from. It come from anything else. That's where authority comes from. And I believe God is calling men back into the place of masculinity so that we can fix our homes, so that we can fix our communities, so that we can fix our cities, so that we can fix our state, so that we can fix our nation. Amen? It's going to come by fasting and prayer, but it's also going to come by men fixing the things that are broken. Let me pray over you right there where you're at. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over this entire tent right now, but I'm especially praying for the men right now. And God, I pray right now that every man would be called up to a lifestyle of biblical masculinity. You've not called us to shy away from it. You've you've not called us to make excuses for being a man. You've not called us to, to, to pander to what culture is saying or demanding of a man. You've called us to biblical masculinity. And that means we serve others. That means we are servants. That means we put others above ourselves. That, that means we stand in the margins. That means we, we fight for those who can't fight for themselves. So God, I pray for every man right now that they would rise to that mandate, that, that we would rise to what you are calling us to, that, that we would not bow a knee to what culture is saying of a man, that the only time we bow a knee, it is to you in prayer, and it is into moments in your presence. And that, at the, that your book, your Bible would drive our lives and that it would build us to become the man of God that you've called us to be. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, stand up on your feet right now. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to go into a time of worship. And, and here's how we're going to end. Because I know this isn't for any, everyone. But we're going to open up these altars. And I would love to pray for you. Men, women, family, whatever. Whatever your need is. 
we always close our service with opening up the altars and giving you a chance to come. And as we do that, the worship team is going to go into worship. Um, but I just want to remind you, for those of you that are going to go, and if you're ready to go, you can go. Thank you for coming and worshiping with us. But go sign up for a connect group. Life change happens in the context of relationships. We want to see you get just a little bit better. So we love you all. We thank you all. Let's go into worship. And again, these altars are open now. Come on up here if you need prayer. I'm going to ask our pastors, if you're here, would you come on up here as well and help us pray at this altar? And these altars are open. Come meet us here. We want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. Thank you. I bless you all. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next Sunday. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.